Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideofDetroit.com. Eric, the Lions have now won five out of six after a 34-23 victory over the Minnesota Vikings, where just about everything went right. Um, I don't know. There, there may have been some demons exercised <laughs> on Sunday. Only time will tell. Well, you know, it was one of those games where everybody was talking about the Lions are going to win the game. You know, the, yeah. the, the national pundits were saying they were going to win the game. Like all the, you know, if you looked in the free press, all their writers had them picked to win the game. Vegas had them winning the game. And, you know, in the past, a lot of the times Lions would lose those games and they, they didn't this time. And it's a, another win over an over 500 opponent. You know, they didn't even mm-hmm. do that in the Caldwell era. Right. It was, uh, I mean, even when it was late in the game and, uh, the Vikings had that quick score late in the game. Um, I, you know, I'm still sitting there going, man, they got to convert and then onside and then like score again. And then like, it, it's just, it just seemed like there was, they just got so far out ahead that, you know, they had the game pretty comfortable uh, even when it got late, even then, even when Minnesota made that score to where, you know, normally you would get those odd feelings that the, a comeback was, about to happen i didn't i didn't feel panicked uh in this one even late even late when they scored all right so we've got business to attend to we got the new york jets coming <laughs> not coming this sunday we we travel yeah to the meadowlands and face the jets on sunday let's let's start with the transactions right from the get-go chase lucas your your favorite draft pick from uh <laughs> this spring he's been moved to ir and that yeah. should be that'll be a season, right? He's not going to play in week eighteen. I guess he could be eligible for it, right? But he probably won't. yeah, he he could be eligible, but he would have to be eligible and reacclimate quickly. Uh, odds are, yeah, he's probably done. Um, they made this move just ahead of uh, the game because they needed to uh, elevate um, Rosh Piercebacher to because they needed an eighth lineman. He had already used a couple uh, eligibilities up, and so instead of using up his third and final, they just decided to sign him. And uh, so now they've got 10 offensive linemen on the roster. Gives them a little bit of uh, leeway in case they, uh, you know, are, in case they're not able to dress all of them, right? Like you, you, they've still got a couple of injuries on the offensive line they need to tend to. And so um, – they just added uh, Pierce Bacher and uh, he gives them some stability and, uh, you know, doesn't force them into, you know, only using one of their roster moves on an offensive lineman. Like they have, they can have some of those elevation uh, spots available now if they need to make them late in the season. All right. Insured list, right guard, Evan Brown, ankle injury. He was limited in practice today, which is Wednesday. Uh, of note, it was a walkthrough today. So everything that we have here in this section is all estimates from coaches, which is really doesn't help us a ton. So we're not going to have, you know, while we're going to go through this list, it's, it's not going to give us a ton of information. Um, we'll, you know, we'll still go through it like normal and, and, and you know, we'll talk about what it means, but uh, yeah, it's, they estimate he was going to, he would, he would have practiced in a limited fashion, which is what he did all of last week, but he wasn't able to go. So I don't know. I don't know if that means that he's on track. It doesn't, I don't know if that means he's getting better. 
uh, until he gets a full practice in, I'm not sure of that he'll actually be available. On the plus side, getting multiple limited practices in and stacking those up are all positive signs towards a return. So, but I, I'm not going to feel comfortable till I see a full practice from Evan Brown. Left tackle Taylor Decker ankle injury limited. So interesting, he was limited last week by an elbow, but he basically did the same track that Frank Ragnow has been doing, which is you get a rest day on Wednesday, uh, and then you do a limited day on Thursday, and then you full day on Friday, and then you're good to go in the game. And I think they, they're they doing that with – they've been doing that with Frank for a while, uh, and they did that with Decker last week. I think they're doing it again Um Interesting, though, that it switched from an elbow to an ankle. The fact that it did switch, though, just it, it does create a little bit of w- window of maybe something to be scared about. But my gut is um, this is that kind of rest schedule that they've been doing with Frank. So, OK, next up, Frank Ragnow, foot injury yeah. limited. Yeah, it's the we same. Already covered same it. Yeah, same thing. Guard, Coyote Oshwika, ankle injury, didn't practice. Um, yeah, didn't practice last week and then didn't, wouldn't have, would not have been available today if they did a full run through. Uh, that's not as encouraging, right? Because you would have liked to have seen him come back, um, especially with Evan Brown being looking like kind of a coin flip right now. Um, if he's not ready, then they may go back to uh, uh, Logan Stenberg again, mm-hmm. who was better as a pass blocker. Uh, than he was early in the season, which is not saying a ton, but um, you know, he, he showed some signs of improvement. Still, lo- a lot to be desired, though. You re- it really want Evan Brown back if you can get him. A valiant effort on Sunday, sure. Running back Craig Reynolds finds himself on the the report ribs. He's on the injured reserve. Well, he's mm-hmm. not on the injured reserve, right? But he's on the no, no. He, he, Technically, is still injured reserve, even okay. though he's pra- allowed to practice. It's this weird. It's that weird window, right? Where he's he can, in the window. He can. He's the the only reason that it matters is because if he's not on injured reserve, he counts towards the active roster. So by keeping him on injured reserve, they can they get an extra roster spot that they can use to practice somebody. So they're gonna. They're going to keep him in that in that role until they absolutely need him. And right now, they don't really, they haven't really needed him, right? Because Swift and Williams and Jackson have all been playing well. So I don't think there's any need to rush uh, Craig Reynolds back from injury. Fullback Jason Cabinda, ankle injury, limited. He got rolled up on, uh, if you recall. Um, he played through it, but I'm my guess is that's just some rest for that. Possible he had a setback. Um, but the fact that they estimate he would have been limited means it probably wasn't a, a significant setback if he did have one of those. Wide receiver Quintez Cephas, foot injury, he's in the window. Yeah, so he's on day eight, and uh, Reynolds is on day seven today, uh, which basically means they have until Tuesday um, the 27th for Quintus Cephas. Like he he would have to be back by Tuesday the 27th, which is Tuesday of week 17. Uh, Reynolds can go to Wednesday uh, of, of that week because he started his, his clock a day later. Um, they could easily come back this weekend, but they could also sit there a little bit longer if they need them. 
for a later return in the at the end of the year. They could also um, just go right back to IR. You know what I mean? If if, if they don't have a spot for them on the roster, uh, because they're going to be it's so late in the season, anyways, they may deem that um, it'd be better. They'll be better suited keeping a different player on the roster. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, the better the receivers play, the better the running backs play. Uh, the less they need to rush uh, either of those two guys back. Linebacker, Derek Barnes, knee injury, didn't practice. Yeah, didn't practice last week, didn't play. So again, like with Coyote, um, not an encouraging sign that they don't even estimate he would have practiced or he, that he wouldn't have practiced at all. Uh, so that's not a good sign. Nickel, Will Harris, hip injury limited. So – that's a good sign because he got injured Thursday of last week. He was um, unable to practice on Friday. Then he was unable to play on Sunday. The fact that they have him listed as limited means that he's on the mend trending in the, in the right direction. So more encouraging news from him. Of course, if he tests it on Thursday and it, you know, flares up a little or on Thursday because, and it flares up a little bit, then, you know, optimism will be uh you know out the window and he'll he, he could potentially not play again but for now it looks like he's headed in the right direction safety and secret weapon cj moore shoulder <laughs> injury limited uh yeah so he he had a obviously the 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 fourth down fake punt which was beautiful um but he he also recovered the fumble at the end of the game um when they uh when Hawkinson fumbled when they were doing their little yeah, lateral Hawkinson. lateral play, <laughs> um, it was Moore that recovered it. So that was nice. Uh, another uh, something I didn't even realize at the time. Uh, I talked to him in the locker room, and he had a uh, he had a like a a wrap on his shoulder, but he did not seem bothered by it. So I'm actually encouraged that he he should be okay. All right, let's talk about the Vikings game number one. Um... Peter King's got him at his number nine MVP candidate. He had to rank his MVPs. He's got him at number nine. Jared Goff, wow. monster game, 330 yards passing, completed what was it's what, 70% of his passes and uh, three TDs, no picks, and played great. Yeah, he was uh, the passing, what do they call that, air yards player of the week uh, again mm-hmm. this week, even though. Um, Kirk Cousins probably had a better had better statistical numbers. Right. Um, uh, Goff was the game winner. You know what I mean? He looked under control and he did what he needed to do, and he looked like the better quarterback on that day. And um, yeah, good for him. He gets another uh, award for his uh, accolades there, and more money uh, donated to his charities, which is great. And um, it's looking sharp. I mean, he's looking very sharp. He hasn't turned the ball over in a while. And um, he's throwing three different touchdowns. He's throwing touchdowns to three different receivers. None of them named St. Brown, which is uh, even more uh, ironic, right? Like he really didn't even really need to lean on St. Brown because their outside receivers were just taking the top off of, off of the, the Vikings defense. And the shell, the, the shell that the Vikings run is designed to prevent that. And they did not have an answer for Chark, uh, blown coverage on JMO and uh and then Reynolds just you know made an, a nice it was a well-designed play that Reynolds ran a nice route and boom 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 three touchdowns to three different receivers. He's 
you know, there's, there's two things at play here. Number one, the offensive lines play because yeah, he had all the time in the world all, for the entire game. Like he wasn't, there was, you know, there's a play here or there, but there were, there was no period during the game where he was rushed at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was never feeling it. And you, we saw it against the Cowboys. We saw it against the Patriots where you know, he was clearly rattled. You know, the Vikings weren't even get able to get anywhere close enough to start rattling him. And you know, this is what he's capable of when he's not getting rattled. What's what's crazy is that the Vikings, we talked about this, the Vikings have two very good pass rushers, right? Um, and their pass rushers, so Zedaria Smith and, um, why am I blanking on his name? The, uh, oh, uh, no, Daniel Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. Um, in the two games that the Vikings and the Lions have played, the the Lions offensive line has not allowed a sack in either of those two games. And with Hunter and like and um Smith, those guys are are very very good. Uh it's a it's a scary duo, but man, Sewell and uh Decker right now are just playing at another level uh, at, at the edges there. And so you know, they're making life a little they're making like e- life easy for Jared Goff. But but then on top of it, he's standing in the pocket and making throws too, which is something that you wouldn't have seen a few, you know, a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. Even when they were winning those games in Green Bay, he wasn't gonna necessarily he wasn't standing in the pocket as, as tough as he is and as tall as he is right now. He's standing in the pocket, delivering throws, he's hitting tight windows, he's being safe with the ball. Uh, he's scoring, he's pushing it down the field, he's doing everything that he needs to do. And the offensive line sure does make his life uh, very easy. The second thing that Goff's really had going for him is that Ben Johnson, he's in some sort of zone right now when it comes to play calling. Like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't he doesn't seem I mean, and there's a whole lot of the Lions have all the momentum right now in their favor, but at the same time, like he's not screwing it up by calling bad plays or right. bad play sequencing or bad formations. Like he's he's on like you could say earlier in the year. Yeah. Once again, that that segment, that Patriots Cowboys, that little segment of this the schedule there, where mm-hmm. you know they they he wasn't doing that, and they weren't you know they had no red right. on offense. But you know these last you know even going back to Buffalo, like they've just been clicking the whole time. Yeah, I, quite honestly, honestly, um, I think the only time an offensive drive has stalled has been because of execution. I think the play calls have been right most of the time. Like I get, it's tough to look back at one of these games and, and, you know, pick one or two plays that maybe you would have changed um, for the most part. Everything is just, it's been on point. The execution has been there and that's why they're scoring the way that they scored 25 points in a row or 25 points in the last five games. Uh, each each game had 25 points, right? And so they're just another 30-pointer for them. Like, it's just, man, they just – putting up points is, 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 has not been that tough of a, of a situation. It's you know, Obviously, this week's going to be a little bit tougher, right? Um, at the same time, it's uh, – it, they like you said, they, they definitely have been clicking. DJ Shark, 
bet on himself this offseason. He took the one-year contract for $10 million. And I think the Lions are what you, you might sit back and go, they're giving $10 million. Like, and I'm going to say, mm-hmm. like, it's working in the Lions' favor because Sharks realizing, you know, and he was hurt. You know, it's really not all his fault. But he's realizing mm-hmm. he's like, I've got to do a lot in these last few weeks. If I'm going to get another contract, if I'm going to get a, you know, a sizable contract to stay in the NFL, I've got to, I've got to show up. And he has the last two weeks. He's been healthy. He's had over 90 yards receiving both games and touchdowns in both games. Yeah. Um, 94, six for 94 and a touchdown. Um, I think it was five for 98 last week. And so, um, yeah, looking, looking sharp. Um, that 41 yarder down the field, that's a tough throw. That's a tough catch. And, um, you know, he catches it, keeps his balance and manages to stay upright to get into the end zone and, and finish that playoff. It was a, a very, very nice score all around. And we talked, I mean, when we talked about this game, we talked about the fact that the, the, the Vikings defense is designed to not allow big plays and, they were that was the coverage was really good on that, and yet they're still managing to overcome good coverage and uh and put up points. All right, flipping over. Well, wait, before we yeah, okay, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, at least for a while. <laughs> Isaiah Bugs, big game. Uh he he's also been a big part of the improvement uh, on the defense because when he showed up. He was kind yeah. of, I don't know, fish out of water type situation. And sure. you know, I was concerned, like, well, this guy isn't really very good. You know, the mm-hmm. defense is still a sieve. It just took him some time to get acclimated, at least it seems. Yeah. Vikings could only rush for 22 yards. He's one of the main reasons right in the middle of the line. Yeah, he also had five pressures uh, from the nose spot, which is a lot from the nose. Um that sack fumble was impressive. First fumble, forced fumble of his career. That was at a key moment. Uh, for whatever reason, the uh, Vikings decided to try and get cute at the goal line, and they uh, it was they tried to do a half halfback pass with Cook, and um, Cook couldn't even get the ball up. He couldn't even pull it up into the throwing motion. Like Bugs was just on him. Uh, we talked about the fact that. The offensive line's offensive line versus or line's defensive line was like a strength on strength battle, right? Where there uh, the line strength matched up with the Viking strength, and we said that the weakest spot on the Vikings line was going to be their rookie right guard, and then Bugs was the you know arguably the weakest the part. Yeah, like he was. Like we said, look, he's the weakest part. He, if if there, but if there's a spot to exploit, that was it. And and Bugs ragdolled him. A couple of times, like I mean, just grabbed him and chucked him out of the way, like he was a, like a small child, and uh, I mean, it was an impressive feat of power to just be able to ragdoll this NFL lineman. I don't care that he's a rookie; he's a big guy whose job is to prevent you from going, and to just move him like that is, is awfully impressive. And so, you know, the stats aren't like crazy but the efficiency was tremendous the 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 pressures the 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 run defense like it it just it all stacked up for him to it's it was a very underrated day for him and i'm but the, the the thing is is it's hard to evaluate trench play live right you normally only get a good 
uh, assertion of what's happening in the trenches when you watch the replay. But Bugs was so good, you could he you could see him standing out. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so the fact that if you're a nose and you're standing out like that, that's a that speaks volumes for how well you were playing. Kirby Joseph, rookie safety, gets his first fumble recovery of the year. Now he's got you know he's got a hand in six turnovers on the season. Yeah, three crazy. three picks, two forced fumbles, and this is one of the things we talked about in the offseason. You know, the Lions defense had no playmakers, and here they go. Holmes in the third round drafted a guy in Kirby, and, you know, turnovers is something that can come and go. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens with him next year. I mean, he's having a great rookie year, and, you know, yeah. hopefully this is who he is. Here's a guy that's a playmaker in the secondary. Yeah, I'm like, he had a nose for the ball at Illinois, too. Like, he's – it's just – He's very instinctual and um, he's got really big hands. And so when that ball is in his vicinity, he can just snatch it up really easy. And um, I'm very excited for where things go with him because he is, he has been a big part of the, he's been a big catalyst for why they've had some of their defensive success with golf, not turning the ball over and Kirby creating turnovers. It's that's been huge. Two more defensive playmakers. Aiden Hutchinson got a seventh sack on the year. James Houston got his fourth sack already within three games. And like 38 snaps, like at this point. Like it's, it's like 38 snaps, four sacks. Like and, and and it's it's over three games. It's so like they know about him. Like it's not like he's sneaking up on people. They just it's tough to have an answer for him, to be honest. Like it it sure seems like once a game he's gonna get home on you. And uh, he just, he gets so low. It's really hard for these offensive linemen to get low enough to be able to block his him that low at that speed. And he's he's making noise and he's doing it in a lot of different ways. And uh, they stacked him. Uh, they stacked Hutch in, in, in Houston at one point and then ran a little crossers. And uh, Houston almost got a second sack. And so... Man, and on that Hutchinson sack, Bugs, if Hutch didn't get there, Bugs was had that was one of the games where he or one of the plays where he chucked his guard aside and like was would have been in on that too. So but man, once Hutchinson started getting loose, ooh, he started really making an impact in that fourth quarter. The Houston, remember the talk in the the off season. You know, here's a guy who was dominant in Jackson State, kind of a little bit undersized, yeah. and it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, what is he even going to be in the NFL? And I mean, the way he's been playing so far, like, it just goes to show you how, you know, we don't know with any of these players and yeah. what they're going to end up being able to do. The numbers he put up were so astronomical, though, like, like so startling. Like, it had 15 it, sacks, it just... right? It was maybe even more, and it was like it was like twenty something, uh, you know, twenty five tackles for loss and stuff like that. It was like it was pretty nuts. Um, so, I mean, if you recall, I'm I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if I'm not mistaken, the number one graded by PFF pass rusher in college football last year was Houston, and number two. Was, was Aiden Hutchinson. And then against the run, Hutchinson was number one and Pascal was number two. And so like, the, it, 
I don't know if they're studying the PFF scores and like, you know, taking notes or whatever, but it, I mean, they sure the way that they're using Pascal and the way that they're using Hutchinson, the way they're using Houston, it's it's like these are all things that they did well in college, and they're uh, putting them in situations where they can do these things well again in the NFL, and they're finding success because of that. It's you're not trying to take a square peg and put it in a round hole. Like if they've got a square peg, they're carving that circle out so that it matches that uh, makes a square hole out of it, so that that player can do what he needs to do. All right, special teams. On the fourth down play, there was a, a, a punt fake, C.J. Moore. It might be the play of the season because Lions are some, somewhat deep in their territory, certainly not in an area where you'd expect them to go for the fake punt. Yeah, they're on 26 or 27, something like that, right? Yeah, and Moore rips off a 48-yard run. and No, no, 42-yard run, excuse 40, me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was that... Was that one of those? Did they call that straight up? I, I I was looking for the video on that. Was that called straight up a fake punt, or was that when C.J. Moore is looking at the defensive alignment and makes the decision when they're out on the field? No, uh, they they called it ahead of time. Right. Uh, they knew that they they said if we get this look, well, this is what we want. Well, that's what we I'm want, saying. Yeah, he, if he yeah, identifies but, a certain look of the defense. Yeah, yeah. They said, but we, they said we're interested in going for it here. And if we get this look that we think we're going to get, we want to go for it. And they got the look and CJ, look, CJ said this was the longest distance because it was like fourth and seven too. Yeah, what, yeah, like yeah, he said, it was the, he said it was the longest distance that they've called a fake on yet. And so he was like, he was looking at it when he lined up and he, and he said, this is the longest distance. And he's like, it's there. And I know it's there. And he's like, but he still like, was like, he got he still had those butterflies, but man, like when he turned that corner, first of all, he gets a big kickout block from Rodriguez, and then Cabinda comes out and gives a, another huge block, and then Rodriguez after his block becomes the escort, and those two guys really opened it up. But when he hits that edge, he's got four three speed, and he he had another gear, like he, that was that was as fast as I've ever seen him run. I mean, easily. And he hit that daylight and he was gone. And so like he, I mean, I asked him, I said, I even asked him in the locker room, I'm like, is that the fastest you think you've ever run? And he was kind of alluded to that. It might've been, he's like, he, he said, you know, he felt like he just was able to take it up a notch. The adrenaline was there and away he went. It was dicey in that first seven yards. Once, like you said, once sure, he turned the corner, the corner it wasn't yeah, the, close. You know, it wasn't close. Yeah. That ended up being this huge play, but that it could have it could have gone south. It could have gone yeah. sour. Yeah, they had a they had a um, they had a, a a a blocking gunner out on the edge that was free, and he squared up and held that edge, and more just simply just outpaced him yeah. like he he just he cut it short so that the guy couldn't get the right angle and he was just he hit daylight but he had two really really key blocks in that first seven that that really got him that opportunity to get there but once once that, that daylight opened up man whew, it was fun so i mentioned that was like the play of the season and everybody was going on about you know like what a gutsy call you know on that fourth down play but crazy, yeah. Then the Lions outdid themselves in the fourth <laughs> quarter, hanging on to the lead, hanging on to the game. Third down and seven. 
Lions line up. They go tri- like three receivers to the left, except for one of the receivers is Panay Sewell, mm-hmm. which they 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 had run that formation a few times in the game already. Yeah, they ran it two plays earlier, and they ran that formation in preceding games this season. So correct. I'm sure, the Vikings correct. watch this and be like, okay, they they've seen it. This is nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to run the ball. This is they're going to run the ball. They're going to do you know like mm-hmm. not expecting Sewell to go in motion because even when you see Sewell in motion, it's like okay, they're going to run the ball and mm-hmm. you know, he, he's basically just pulling before the snap, right? Right. And you know everybody knows what happened. I don't know why I have to describe the play because <laughs> you know, it's the flat it's and, fun. I, I'm on I, I'm on the edge of my seat. No, well you shouldn't because <laughs> the visual is a lot better than the words, but it. He's in motion to snap the ball. He leaks out into the flat and nobody picks him up until the last second. And Goff right. throws a very nice pass. And we saw how excellent of an athlete Sewell is, especially for yeah. his size, making Jeez. the catch, started rumbling. You know, he he kind of trips himself up. He probably could keep going. We wanted to, it would have been great if he would have caught it and then lowered his shoulder into somebody, <laughs> you know, but it didn't matter. It got him that first down and that was the game. That was going to seal the game. The, the, the Vikings couldn't come back from that. Talked to him in the locker room after as well. And he said that his number one goal was to secure the catch. And his number two goal was to stay in bounds. Like that was, that was what he had to do. Like, he's like, I had to catch it. I had to make sure, make sure that I was going to stay in bounds. And then I I wanted to get that first. Right. So um, he knew what his agenda was. The, the play was originally designed to be a goal line play. Um, because they thought this is they thought they could get a touchdown out of this. And um, but then when they got into that third and seven, they said Ben Johnson said to Campbell, we're we're probably gonna get the same defensive look that we would get in a goal line situation. So why don't we just run it run it here? And um, sure enough, that's what he got. And uh another but Campbell was too busy watching the wave. Yeah, you know, that's what I heard. Uh <laughs> My goodness. You know what? Like for, for the people that didn't watch the interview, I I can understand how when a couple of like media people picked it up and started like reporting it as basically like fact yeah. um, that it could fool people. Uh, but for well, anyone. He's a cartoon that, character. Well, look. He's for playing anyone, a character. Yeah. Well, he's playing to his audience, yeah. uh, the McAfee uh, audience and um yeah he he if you watched it, it he was very sarcastic like he sure. could tell he set it up and i mean even the sentence after saying that he fell for it he's talking about how you know what he told he told golf to make sure to remind sewell to stay in bounds and like so he he and the way what the wave was not happening at the time anyways, but it was a funny The joke. rule is you're not supposed to do the wave when you're on offense. Although I've been in many a game where they have done the wave <laughs> when a team is yeah. on offense, but you're not supposed to. That's fine. Um, but then, uh, boy, there was a couple of jokes that he made that could have went the wrong, went the wrong way. It just happened to be that that was the one. Because he also said that he had a equipment malfunction on the C.J. Moore uh, fake punt where he said he told Dave Fipp don't run it here but his equipment malfunctioned on the word don't and so Fipp heard let's run it here and uh, and that was his other joke what a that, jokester mm, oh yeah and then like 
he was comparing they asked him like what it was like to like come up like uh you know pick up you know be one and six and rise up and like shed the same old lions you know motto and like be like this new impressive team and uh he was describing it basically as if he was in Shawshank prison which was very ridiculous but again on par for the, the type like he had told those stories before so like there was a whole bunch of indicators that this was a massive joke uh but there were news reports news outlets still writing articles about it as fact at like 10 o'clock at night last night like it, it was ridiculous like anyway all right it was an impressive play it was a you gutsy know, call it was i was it, it was uh i mean you wonder how many different tricks ben's got up his sleeve you made all made all sorts of people all sorts of football fans across this world of ours yeah very happy by throwing the ball to the fat guy on third down <laughs> people have been waiting to see this stuff for years and maybe this will blossom into something. Maybe we're going to see a lot more of this tackle eligible. He wasn't lined up as a tackle. He's just the, you know, like, right. so it's not really a tackle eligible play. He lined up as a, you know, a slot receiver. So, but still, like mixing these other guys in on the offense. And I don't know if this will become a weapon or if they're going to find another way to use them. Maybe they will. Not many teams are going to be fooled by it now. They're going to be looking for it, which is a good thing. There's something else to plan for, right? Yeah, certainly. I actually do think they will run it again because uh, we were when we were in the locker room, um, we were talking. Uh, ha- uh, Jen Hammond uh, asked Sewell if you know what he did with the what he was doing with the game ball or, or if he even had it, and he said that he didn't know where it was. And so, I mean, my guess is that the equipment guy probably had it or something, right? But he said he didn't know where it was, and then he said. Well, no worries. It wasn't a touchdown, so I don't really need it anyways. But he's like, and then someone else said to him, oh, you know, you expecting to uh, to score a touchdown? And he was and he was like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm not done with this. Like, this is like, like he's expecting this to happen again. And so and he's expecting to score. And so um, I, I wouldn't I mean, look, do they run it again this year? I don't know. Maybe not. They got people thinking about it. But this is definitely something they can run in the in the future because, uh, as Dan Campbell called him, you know he could he could potentially be the greatest tight end of all to, you know in the NFL if he just lost a little bit of weight, right? And maybe that's I mean like look how it is it's come from an excellent football family if you look at his brother oh, yeah. in Oregon and like there's it, it, Oregon and Utah he he probably could. Right. He's going to make a lot more money, though, being an offensive tackle. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you didn't you didn't put this in your list, but yeah. And this is because it's it's buried. Right. Jamison Williams scoring yeah. his first touchdown right. as a line. That's how how much stuff happened in this game where, you know, OK, Williams, your number 12 overall pick. You know, he's playing the second game, but finally got his first touchdown. And it was a 48, 41 yard touchdown reception. He um when every time he comes on the field, the crowd roars. There's a, a murmur. Bit. Yeah, right. And so like if the if they're trying to sneak him in, 
it's near impossible because the crowd is looking for him every time. Right. So because you can hear the murmur, you look up and you're like, Oh, all right. I can and now Jameson's on the field blown coverage in the back end. But I mean, it didn't take long for him to just fly past people. Right. And uh, who knows if that's safe, how, if, how close that play would have been if that safety was, uh, you know, in the right spot. Yeah, engaged but yeah, and in the right spot. He, he had the right angle. It was a, it was a good play. It's a good play call for him at that for at forty yards, um, at forty one yards. It was technically to run run him on a post uh, on what even against if it was single high, that's still a good that's still a good target. Like running him up the sideline like they did on that for in in the first game. That's a tougher throw. I I like I'd run him I'd run him more posts like that. And just ask the uh, the defense to try and run with him because uh, get him in the center of the field and just chuck that ball up in the center of the field and let him go you know beat out the uh, the safety because I, I it, he's got the talent to do it and then the, and then the most exciting part was what he did after right smiling as big as big as he possibly can giving the football to dad running around high five the crowd right the place. Yep. right. I mean, like he he knew he, he's only getting like fifteen snaps, so he wasn't going to go back on the field again. So he's he's enjoying it. He enjoyed the moment. This kid loves to play, and he's not been able to for almost a year. And so I'm I'm glad for him. I'm glad that he is uh, enjoying himself. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's nice to see, you know, all that extra stuff uh, as well because. He, he definitely embraced the moment. You mentioned that there's, it's hide to hard on, it's hide to hard. It's hard to hide him when he comes out yeah. onto the field. Yeah. They will be able to do that this Sunday because they will be at MetLife Stadium for the second time this year. They're going to be facing yeah. off against the New York Jets this time. So everything's going to be green instead of the, the hints of blue around the stadium. <laughs> um, Lions opened as a one-point underdog but like they have over the last few weeks the line has moved in the lion's favor i just checked FanDuel a couple of seconds ago they they are favored by one uh, and then earlier today the jets were favored by one and so it's flipping back and forth yep. um and, and i, I kind of expect that right i expect that that line to move um for me for me we do picks um on uh on tally site as, as a company. And, um, oh, I knew this was coming. No, no, keep I was going, just gonna say, keep going. No, 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 I'm not going to talk about you that. being in first place. No, 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 no. I wasn't going to talk about that. I <laughs> was going to say genius of some no. sorts <laughs> of some repute. No, no, no. That's wasn't not even what I was going to say. I was actually going to say, um, I waited for the line to shift the lines plus one. And then that's when I, that's when I made my pick, right? Like, I you if if you don't like if it's at, at lines minus one right now and and you're a gambler, I think it'll change again. I think it'll change back the other way, and then you can probably get the the, the line you want. So, um, I had a lot of people telling me how they took the line a week ago when it was lines plus three, and so um, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not as much of a gambler, so I don't. Uh, I, I don't I mean it's it's nice to see I follow it because it's part of the job um but I I am not wagering my money uh, uh, on the game uh just just my pride all right 
one o'clock game on CBS. Once again, easy to set up your Sunday schedule because the game's at one. Although, Eric, yeah. do you think this game, I know that I don't know how many weeks in advance they have to do it, should have been flexed into the eight o'clock time slot on Sunday night? Currently, it's well, currently it will be Giants mm-hmm. Commanders who fought their way to a tie in the last yeah. time they played. Yeah, I get it because and they're the wild card. They're the last two wild card teams in the NFC. Right. Um yeah, right. They're you you're they're fighting for a spot and then the Lions are hoping to snatch one of those spots up yeah, as well. Fighting right? to fight for a spot. Right. Um so I get it. Uh and the Giants are a bigger national draw, but man, it the as hot as the Lions are right now, I think they might regret not putting lions in this because this is gonna be a tight I game i don't know this if they is... actually regret well i think that the, i think the viewing could maybe be a little bit higher when it's all said and done but um yeah i mean look there's they had two good choices i i think most people knew they were going to go with the giants in that one um but the giants don't look like the giants anymore they got exposed by uh some team from detroit if i recall. certain team that wears uh, blue, and blue. Mm-hmm. so um yeah, Charles Davis. I like Charles Davis. Uh, Iron Eagle, nice Charles Davis, to. Evan Washburn. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be nice. It it's nice did to you, get. Go ahead. Do you like Charles Davis better as a as a as a college football analyst? I don't know. I I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time I listened to him years ago. Lions game. Oh, yeah, like Lions he, game. No, yeah, he probably did one last year. He he. The last time, well, I saw him at Ford Field in an elevator a couple of times, um, but that was a couple of years back. Um, I don't remember when the last one time he did one that I actually like when it was an away game or something. Referees: Craig Rolstad, nine and a quarter flags per game, but that's below league average. Yeah, league average was like around eleven and a half. It creeped up to twelve. It's back down to about eleven and a half. But he's two under. You know what I mean? Like he's a full two flags under. So uh, hopefully they keep that flag in their pocket this game, and um, we keep having, you know, the refs not as involved. It's it tends to make for better football. Well, there were only ten penalty flags that were accepted on Sunday. Yeah. Lions have played some pretty clean games. Yeah, there has there. There was a couple earlier in the year. Was the Bears game where it was just a mess of flow? Well, that was all for the Bears. There was another game though. There was a lot of flags on both sides. But Man. lately, last few weeks, the Lions, Lions, and their opponents have been playing pretty clean. I, I felt like the refs got involved at like key moments though uh, last Sunday, which I didn't like. You know, the numbers, the flat total flags were down, but um, when they like like the Thielen pass interference against Thielen in the end zone, that flag was not coming out until Thielen started throwing yeah. his hands up in the I, air. And I know, then, that was a late, late And then flag. he went to the – like, you. I, it, that's in the end zone that we're right in front of. And so we had, like, a perfect bird's-eye view of that, and he wasn't even trying to go for that flag until Thielen started, uh, you know, pulling an Aaron Rodgers there. And, um, yeah, sure enough, he got it. But I, I didn't like that one. I, I thought that was that was not a great call. All right, let's talk about the Jets draft picks. If there was a T, the Lions have had an excellent had an excellent 2022 NFL draft. If there's a team that's their equal or maybe even their better, 
more more like they're equal in their ballpark as, as mm. far as getting production out of their draft picks it's been the jets first round for fourth overall pick jets t- took sauce gardner who may end up being rookie of the year or defensive rookie of the year uh and, and seems that's like, still to be figured out over the next few weeks yeah they said it's i think people have narrowed it down to like three people right mm-hmm. um I think it's really, in my mind, it's between Sauce and Aiden. I think most people are kind of on board. Uh, the other one is the uh, Seattle defensive yeah, Seattle back. Corner. Yep. And yeah. I can't remember his name either. I'm, oh, man, I'm blanking on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, like Sauce Sauce was had a really good early part of the season. He looks legit. Um, but, man, if Aiden keeps racking up sacks, if he gets to double-digit sacks – there's a, I mean, I, I don't know. It'd be tough to not give it to him at this point because he's also got two interceptions on his resume, which is, I believe, more than Sauce Gardner has, which is interesting. Um, and then, but look, yeah, Sauce is legit. He's he's stepped up. He's their number one. Um, we'll talk more about him when we get into the Jets defense, but. Um, yeah, he is. He did not take long to acclimate to the NFL, and, and he fits well with the defense, and that, that's a big help to get him, uh, you know, to to start his career basically running. Sauce also a local, so the uh, yeah. the area yeah. produced two excellent defenders, you know, twenty yeah. some years ago. Um, yeah. Tariq Woolen is the yeah, uh, yeah. There you go, defensive there back go. for the Seahawks. Their second first round pick, pick 10, they picked wide receiver Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, who's been right up there as offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I think he's got a better, he's got a real good shot of winning it. Um, He's stepped right into their number one role. And I mean, if you're, if you're the Lion, if you're a Lions fan and you're looking at like how these two guys have produced, and then you're looking at the Lions situation this upcoming year you're hoping for this right you're hoping you can double dip because if if uh jmo ends up working out and, and hutchinson already kind of is right and you can if you can double dip like that in two drafts my goodness you can really shore your team up pretty quick so uh but yeah wilson produces is producing for them he is their top wide receiver option their third first round pick at 26, they picked defensive end Jermaine Johnson, the second, who st- played in 10 games this season, hasn't yet started, has racked up with two and a half sacks, uh, three tackles for loss. You know, he's a guy on the the, the rotation of the defensive line. Yeah. You know, at pick 26, it developed he, he's playing pretty well. Yeah, he, they they took it easy with him early, and then they've been slowly amping his numbers up. Uh, and now he's playing like 40% of the snaps. And so he's getting there. It's not quite starter level, but you know, he's going to, he's, he's a contributor. He got, I believe he got a sack last game uh, as well. So that's tough to do on, on Josh Allen. And um, he's, he's getting up there and, and, and look, the Jets have a good rotation on the edge. So it's not overly surprising with a couple of uh, veterans that he's not, that he's not uh, starting. Second round pick, number 36 overall. A guy, now Garrett Wilson might win offensive rookie of the year, but mm-hmm. it's partially because Brees Hall has gone on injured reserve because he might have ended up winning NFL yeah, offensive rookie right? of the year if he were remained healthy. 
Yeah, so he started, um, and they have, yeah, had to put him on IR, and then they went to a second year back in Michael Carter, uh, but then he got hurt. So then they went to another rookie in um, Bam Knight Knight. or Zonovan. Yeah. um, And so Zonovan is now starting for them. And even though Michael Carter is back, Zonovan is still the guy, even though he's undrafted, he's, uh, he's kind of earned that spot. It's kind of a 50, 50 split now, but uh, they've they've got a nice little uh, running back group there, and and yeah, Brees Hall is the superstar, but uh, not available right now. Won't be there for the Lions though, for sure. Third round pick one hundred one. They took tight end Jeremy Ruckert. He's had one target. He's yet to make have a reception in his NFL. Yeah, yeah, it, it, a little surprising that they took him in the third, considering they already had a couple of established uh, veteran. Uh, tight ends um one of them is aging and we'll get like i said we'll, we'll break that down but i think that pick was more of a we're looking for him down the line type of thing round four pick 111 offensive tackle max mitchell uh on the non-football injury list he's got blood clots yeah um he hasn't been able to really do much so that was that's a fourth round pick that hasn't worked out for them just yet because he's had a uh, a health concern prop up. And finally, uh, pick one seventeen defensive end Michael Clemens. He's also injured. Yeah, he's got a knee issue. Uh, he was limited this week, missed last week. Possible he plays, uh, but he's a contributor. He's a rotator, a rotational player. Two sacks, three tackles for loss in twelve games this year. Not yeah. bad for a fourth nope. round draft. Nope, the couple of edge guys, right? It's a it's a key to a successful gla- draft class is getting a couple of edge guys that can produce for you. All right, Jets are seven and six. They are hanging on mm-hmm. to a spot in the AFC playoffs. Uh, two straight losses. They lost to the Bills in a uh, kind of a crummy weather game on yeah. Sunday. The, the some mixed precipitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a low scoring game at first. The Bills came out winning 20 to 12. Yeah, they lost to the Vikings the week prior. It uh against the Bills, they didn't there was not a score until like 27 minutes into the game from either side. And then when they got halfway through the fourth quarter, the Bills were up 20 to 7. You know what I mean? Like so it was while the score looked like it was a one-score game, it it, it was the Bills kind of had control for the majority of the, of the second half. Right. So it was a tie game for most of the first bill score at the end of the first, then the bills dominate the third control the fourth. And then the jets start chipping their way back in. But it really, uh, I, I think it's the game wasn't as close as that score indicates, but like you said, bad weather, tough to score injuries took some key players for them hurt. Um, yeah. And then they, they lost to the Vikings the week prior who the lions beat by two scores. So, um, I get why the the odds can shift to the Lions when you start looking at some of these. It's not also a, not a transitive property of football here. Right, beating right. the Bills at the same time too. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm, they have, yeah. So, but so yeah, they've beaten the they Bills one and they, one against the Bills. They have a win and a lot, right? But you know, like it's tough to look at and say, "Oh, this is going to happen because of this." We know that no, doesn't right. work. No, yeah, it doesn't. Um, but, but like, 
while they've lost two in a row, they've also lost four of their last six, right? So they they started out really well, and they but they've been they've been having a hard time closing. And and it's not like with some of these teams, it's been you know they're consistent in how they win or consistent in how they lose. Uh, it's not really like that. Like they've lost to the Patriots twenty two seventeen. They've also lost to the Patriots ten to three. You know what I mean? Like it's they just it, there's no real rhyme or reason. They kind of play to their opponent, and um, there's it's not like they're always in it. Uh, and sometimes they're on the you know, the blow outside and sometimes the team's getting blown out. It just, it, it just depends. And last couple of games, one score losses, but um, against tough teams, right? So uh, it's a talented roster and they've got a, a lot of special players that are climbing. They've also got some key injuries, uh, some key injuries with players on IR, some key injuries of, that players are currently dealing with. And uh, that those could come into play uh, in this game. All right. Jets offense, starting with quarterback Mike White, who took a couple of hits to the ribs yeah. last week. Yeah. Uh, he's the starter. Zach Wilson has been promoted to number two QB. Yeah. So for those who haven't tracked the Jets, um, Zach Wilson was their second overall pick, right? Second overall yeah. pick yep. last year. Um, he was our starter last year. He was started the season. And then when they started losing, um, he did not handle that very well. He started, uh, you know, he, he, he blaming others. Yeah. He kind of broke some unwritten rules where he wasn't taking really a whole lot of responsibility. And, uh, so they, they benched him, they benched him because he was becoming a locker room issue and they didn't, the locker room didn't trust him. And so they went with Mike White, and then Mike White, who gets smashed in the ribs and has to exit, returns, and the players rally around him, and then he gets smashed again, and he exits, and then he returns again, and so now you can't kill him, right? And so like the players are rallying around him again, and so like you've got this undrafted quarterback in Mike White who has shown some really good flashes, um who the team loves because he plays for them versus a kid with all the talent in the world, but doesn't understand the locker room at this stage. Uh, He took a couple of weeks off where he wasn't even involved at all. Like they just, they didn't even activate him. Uh, But then they, they played Joe Flacco for a couple of snaps there and realized, okay, maybe we need to get Zach Wilson back in the mix because Joe Flacco is uh, Joe Flacco. Uh, I think Agent we won for Joe Flacco, Super Bowl <laughs> champion Joe Flacco. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> he is, he is, yeah. Um, so a young tandem of quarterbacks. Mike White is currently hurt. Rib injuries are not something that just goes away. Those are going to linger, and they can put like a um, a flak jacket around them. They can try and protect those ribs, but. If he gets hit, it's going to hurt. And it's also going to limit some of his range of motion. It's going to limit some of his mobility. And and so you could tell he didn't quite look the same. He didn't have the same zip on his throw when he was after the injury. And so it has the potential to to impact his ability to, to, to play the way that he wants to, right? Uh, he's been, he was limited at practice today. 
they are expecting him to play. They are saying that if they expect him to play, they expect him to start. Um, but I do think it's something to pay attention to. I mean, maybe he gets a cortisone shot, you know, or two. Uh, and but it, I don't know what it, you can't really protect when you have a rib injury. It's it, it hurts to throw. You know, it hurts to it hurts to torque your body. It and if you get hit, it, you're gonna feel it. Running backs, we've talked about it a little bit. Zonovan Knight's going to be the starter. Michael Carter's available. X Lion Ty Johnson's available. Yeah, um, Carter fumbled late in the game too, which I think is uh, even more of an indicator that they're going to stick with Knight. Uh, he's looked more. He's looked the better back. Um, Carter's talented. Don't get me wrong, but um, they've really been leaning on, on, on Knight the last few games, and I, I don't see that changing. Wide receiver group, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. Uh, so we talked about Wilson. Davis has a concussion. Um, I don't if you if you didn't happen to catch the game, uh, he went up, caught a ball, got hit in the legs, didn't seem like a big deal, like a normal hit, but he didn't put his arms down to protect himself. And his head hit the ground. And then when it came off the ground, he took a knee to the head to the head as well. Uh, so he is in the protocol, in the concussion protocol. He did not practice on Wednesday. So that's a bad sign because the chances of him getting cleared are, are a lot smaller by not practicing on Wednesday. So it's very possible he doesn't play. And if he doesn't play, that probably means Denzel Mims is going to be popped up into the starting lineup. Uh, and Mims is not uh, – Corey Davis was having uh, quite possibly a career year. Uh, Mims has not lived up to his second round draft status and, uh, he would be the guy most likely to take over. So, you know, Moore's another second round pick, uh, from 2021. They, they use second round picks in 2020 and 2021 to get, uh, Mims and Moore. Uh, they're not anywhere near what, what Wilson gives them, but it's a young trio all drafted, uh, pretty early. Garrett Wilson, is he going to go against Jeff Akuda? How do you think that's going to work out? I don't know. Uh, I do think they would try that. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Um, they were slow to shift Jerry last week when Akuda was out. Like they had planned for Jerry to take um, basically Thielen or whoever was on the outside. And then Jeff was on Jefferson. Uh, but when Jeff left, they just put Hughes on Jefferson and it didn't work as well. And so they they ended up shifting Jerry to him late and that seemed to be much more uh, effective. Um, so I do think they're going to try to have a CUDA on Wilson uh, if they can. Yeah, for sure. OK, going to the tight end position, teams led by Tyler Conklin, who's uh, their second leading receiver. He's yeah, more of like, a possession type of tight end. He's not a not a deep threat type of tight end. He's got like forty something receptions, like yeah, forty five yeah, for the former uh, Central Michigan. Central star. Michigan, yep. yeah. Um, and then uh, his got CJ Uzoma, yep, yep, and uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, Rucker, Jeremy Rucker. Uh, Uzoma has not lived up to what he was doing in Cincy. He's he's just not producing it at the as high of a level, but they run like a 70-40, right? Um between Conklin and and Uzuma 
And like we talked about earlier, Rucker doesn't play a whole lot. 70 40. Well, they run a little double tight ends, like oh, okay. about 10% right. of the time, right? right? I, so yeah, they I got you. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I get it. All right. Offensive line, left to right. Dwayne Brown, X Lion, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern in the pivot, Nate Herbig, and George Fant. Um, so Brown's aging. He's also hurt. He's uh, limited uh, with a shoulder injury right now, and he's going to draw Hutchinson. Uh, when Brown is on, he's good. When he's uh, not, he's average. And that's going to be an interesting matchup, uh, especially if he's nursing something. Uh, their backup is Mike Reamers. They do not want to play Mike yeah, Reamers. He's, he's uh, aging too. Yeah, they don't want him on the field. Uh, Lakin was uh, in San Fran with uh, Sala. Right. So he came over when, when, when saw, or he wanted, you know, he'd come play for Sala. And, uh, Lakin's not having as good a year as he did when he was in San Fran. It's, it's, it's not quite as, as, as promising. He's still good. Uh, still better than he, his time, I think, when he was in Detroit, when he wasn't used properly. McGovern's a, a good center. Uh, er, Erberg is, um, ah, he's all right. He's average. I think Fant is, a little low. I really, I don't like him as much. Um, he's also dealing with a knee injury. So I do think their tackles are a little bit susceptible. Um, it's going to be a lot harder day though, for the lions interior. All right. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, the defensive front left to right, Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins, Quinn and Williams, and John Franklin Myers, and we talked about Jermaine Johnson. We also have Solomon Thomas, Nathan Shepard, Michael Clemens on the second unit. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and they got an aging Vinnie Curry out there too. All those years with the Eagles, uh, he still gets some play here. Um, so obviously the 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 stud is is Quinnen Williams, um, eleven sacks on the season from the defensive from, tackle slot. That's crazy. Um, Sue like. Him and, him, prime and, him and Bugs were teammates at Alabama. Um, so that's an interesting note. Uh, Will Williams, though, he's injured. Um, he has a calf injury. He had to exit the game with a calf injury. He did not play uh, practice on, on Wednesday. And they are estimating he's 50-50 to play. So if he does not play, that's a massive uh, help for the Lions because he is a he is a game wrecker. Uh another advantage they may possibly have is he like he's going to line up over Jonah. So they're putting him against one of the Lions better offensive linemen. It's not like they're putting him over the right guard. Rankins will draw whoever the right guard is and Rankins is a is a good pass rusher. He's not as good against the run, so um but he's he's had a bit of a career revival since his uh, New Orleans days. And so, um, you know, and then the edge rushers are, are, they're good. I mean, they know what to do. Um, they know how to play for, um, they, they, they're good at stopping the run. They're good at putting pressure and it's usually just four of them that come. Right. So, uh, the guy to keep an eye on though, obviously, and then you have Johnson that's mixed in there as well. And then Bryce Huff, Bryce Huff is, um, he's a guy that's been slowly chipping in and producing. He's, a only been in the league a couple of years, undrafted guy, but he's 
he's getting he's getting reps and he he produced uh against the bills you gotta say against the bills so it's a it's a rotating line of talent linebackers Quan alexander cj mosley and quincy williams um mosley's of course the stud right and then he plays every snap and then quincy williams is like their will he plays like 90 percent of the snap so it's it's really those two guys Quan will find the field a handful of times uh but he doesn't play a ton maybe like 20 percent of the snaps or so like um they'll use three linebacker sets every once in a while but if um uh but he'll be the guy who subs in for quincy and um like and then like i said in those three linebacker sets so cj's really good wilson williams can uh he fly all over the field, so it's it's a it's a good duo. Mosley's really the guy that you got to watch out for, though. So, you know the bill the Bills the Jets are having a resurgent season. You know they're the yeah. I guess you could say they're the Lions of the AFC, right? Sure, they're, they're, sure. They're this rebuilding squad, they're the team that's in a rebuilding phase. Coach in the second year, just like Dan Campbell. Yeah. Um, they the way the Lions have done it has been more on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Whereas this front seven here on the Jets defense is what has led their resurgence. Oh, certainly. Yeah. This is um oh, excuse me. This is a uh this is a pretty formidable front. And the Lions, you know, we'll talk a little bit more. Uh I don't know, you want to talk about like how you beat them, or I mean we can talk about the scheme. If you want it right now, or we can finish the roster. What do you want to do? Well, let's finish the roster first. Okay. Starting all right, so now going to the defensive backfield, the corners. We mentioned Sauce Gardner. We also have DJ Reed, Michael Carter, the second, not the Michael Carter. That's the running back. Uh, Brandon <laughs> Eccles, who's out. Uh, Bryce Hall, Justin Hardy. Those are your corners. Um, yeah, they play nickel quite a bit because they they run a lot of like cover three. And um, so they'll, they'll use a lot of nickel sets. And so that means Reed, Gardner, and Carter are on the field a lot. Uh, Whitehead and Joyner, their safeties, um, you'll, they'll, they'll do kind of like what the Lions do, where they'll, where they'll drop one and then put one in the box, or maybe they'll drop two, depending on what they're trying to do. Uh, but they're on the field all the time. I think the safeties are, are a little bit weaker than the corners the corners in my mind are, are the better trio uh that the, that the lions are going to have a hard time matching up with but because of how the jet scheme works there there are spots where you can attack them uh, just like with any scheme right so uh but it's really it's really those those starters right like it's really just the the reed gardner carter whitehead joiner that that quad um, or not quad. What's the, what's the five the Quint Quint, right? Yeah. Uh, those five guys are, uh, they're on the field pretty much the whole time. And, um, they, they understand the scheme. They understand what to do. And, um, it, it, it's a, it's a good secondary as well. There, there's not a lot of weaknesses on this jets defense amongst the starters anyway. All right. Strength on strength. How are the Lions mm-hmm. going to beat them? Well, here's the deal. They 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 run Salah's basically cover three scheme, which he ran with San Francisco. Uh, it's a it, it all derives back from his time when he was in Seattle with Pete Carroll, 
the defensive coordinator, Jeff uh, Ulbricht, he was also a coach in Seattle at the same time as Sala. That's where they met. Um, And they essentially run a lot of the Seattle type schemes. So um, what you end up seeing is a lot of cover three, you drop a single safety, you drop both your corners and you run and that's, and you run your cover three with your uh, linebackers underneath and then you drop a safety down. And so you end up running essentially like you're rushing for with like three at the one level, three at the next level. Right. And it, and it becomes a little challenge. It becomes challenging to defend if you have athletes and that's, they do, they have, they have a ton of athletes and that's what makes them so successful. The scheme doesn't work if you don't have skilled players, um, which is why the Legion of doom, when they were gone, the Seattle defense, you know, stopped working because they didn't have those athletes on the field anymore. Um, But it's working with the jets because the jets have those athletes. And so um, like for like Reed, Reed came from Seattle, right? Like um, you, you've got, they picked the right types of guys to play in this, in this scheme. So uh, most of the time they rush for, they blitz every once in a while, but it's not, it's not a consistent thing. Uh, so they rush for, and then they run cover three or cover four. And it's going to remind you a lot of what you've used to watch uh, in, in the, that kind of old legion of boom. They're very aggressive up front. And so, uh, and, and overall, they're designed to to stop the pass. It's a it's a modern day defense that that they want to take the pass away. So the way you beat them is with their aggression, and you try and work their gaps. Um, the first thing is the Lions gap power scheme that they run is going to work. Uh, it's going to work against an ag- aggressive front because when they get moving up field and you run your gap scheme where you where they're where you have offensive line movement you're basically going to get them out of the gaps that you want just by their aggressiveness so the gap power scheme is going to work but you're also going to need to when you go to the passing game you're going to need to rely on your non-traditional players to contribute so you're going to need your running backs to be uh contributors in the pass game you're also going to need to try and get your slot guys matched up against a safety. If you can get, if, if when they drop a safety into the box, if, if over the slot, if you can get St. Brown on a safety, if you can get him on Whitehead, that's an advantage for the Lions. And so if you can attack the slot, if you can attack with your in the air with your running backs and then just use your outside guys to kind of run off, it's going to help open things up a little bit. I still think the, the, the JMO thing we talked about, those post routes I think are going to help um, if you have a speed guy running it like JMO, um, but it's the entire thing. Like even if you know how to attack this, this defense, the entire success is going to be predicated on the offensive line. The offensive line will win or lose this game probably for, for the lions. And so the way they've been playing, you have to like their chances because if they can play the way that they have been, and you get time to, you know, allow your pass catchers to get into the gaps. Golf has been able to, to thread the needle, and so, but it really, it, it really comes down to that offensive line, and then trying to attack this with that gap power, and then trying to attack a little non-traditionally. So it's the biggest te- test in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. This is there. This is as big as the Bills type of game, as far as a offense versus defense situation all right specialists 
for the Jets. The kicker's Greg Zerline. We've known him well over the years, kicking, getting yeah. 85% of his field goals along as 60. He's only missed one extra point on the season. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He missed a couple from 40, a couple from 50, but that's uh, he's pretty accurate. Punters Braden Mann averaging 47 yards a kick. Gross, only 41.4 nets. 30% yeah. of his punts land inside the 20. Yeah, he when he hits it, it's in a good spot. Uh, return man's Braxton Berrios. He's going to return both punts and kicks. He's okay. Um, they blocked the they blocked the punt last week for a safety. So yep. that's another thing to keep on keep in mind. It was, uh, Johnson recorded it, that safety. It it absolutely the, was the block. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that that actually kept them in the game. That happened about halfway through the fourth quarter, and that was a, a big key for them. So they like to uh, they like to get their special teams involved, and and they they're good. Got an idea of what we're going to be seeing on Sunday? It's now time to pick the game. Who do you think's going to win? Well, here's the fun part. I didn't uh, prices right you last week, and I just went with my normal score. And guess what? We tied again. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm disappointed in myself. So, <laughs> uh, I'm basically in a situation where I have to win out to beat you. Uh, and so, but because we tied, it goes back to you again since yeah, you were the I last won three one to weeks win. Ago, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, we both we were both off by uh eight points, and so. Uh I'm disappointed. Uh, I I'm gonna tell you it's though. Okay, Eric. It's okay. I I want to I want to prices right you, but I also want to give like your actual score at the same time. <laughs> well, give the actual so, score. There's nothing. I I, well, I mean, easy for me to say because if I keep winning every year, <laughs> I, I'll be all for it. But you know, it's not like the winner gets anything. You know, it's not the, like, just bragging this, rights. And what kind of bragging rights are they even? No, nah, but the, you you get the people. The people know. The people respect that you're well, uh, that you you're you're you pick winners. I, yeah, well, I don't know <laughs> if there's respect there or it's like now there's the superstition about it. It seems <laughs> right more more than they respect my pick or whatever that that, that I have some sort of voodoo over what's going to happen in the game just based off of what I picked, just because uh, maybe you do. I happen to stumble upon when the streak started. All right, well, um, I don't know. <laughs> but and I'm, I'm nervous about this game i'm certainly was more nervous about the buffalo game and probably even more nervous about the vikings game yeah um but you know the jets are dangerous they have a good defense they are sliding though because they started five and two and now they're you know seven and five they're yeah you know, two and three in their last five games and so they might be starting to cool off you know like you know, like just like how the Giants, you know, they have this favorable start. They forced a lot of turnovers. And then when, you know, like with the water met its level, you know, the Jets, they're you know, not as strong as they seem to be. And the Lions, remember, the Lions are in a similar situation where they had a lot of things going against them in those first seven games. Now they're flying high, but eventually the water is going to come back to its level. I don't know if it's I don't think it's going to be this week, though. I'm going to stick nice. with the Lions. We'll go nice. 23-21 Lions, a little bit lower scoring. All right. Well, that's good because I'm not too far off of you. Uh, I'm actually also picking the Lions. Um, and uh, but I'm I'm going a little bit wonky on my score. Uh 
25 has been that kind of key number, right? They've like hit when they've got that in the last six games. Uh, five times. I think it's five or six. Regardless, that 25 is that key number. Yeah, so, five times. Five times. Uh, that's where I'm going. I'm going 25, and so um, I'm going Lions 25, Jets 20. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, feeling pretty good about that one. I think that it looked like, I mean, it's going to be a step back from their 30 point wins, but at the same time, like I got a weird feeling like you're going to see something like they're going to go for two or something like that, like early or something <laughs> like that. Something ridiculous, like on the road just to go up and like, I don't know. Like if you get an early lead on this team, you force them. Like what you don't want is you don't want to trail. Cause if you trail against the jets, they're designed to play against the pass and you're fighting an uphill battle. But if you can get the lead, you can take advantage of, of, of how their defense operates. So that's what I am anticipating early lead, some wonky fun stuff. And uh, I think they lead the whole way. I think they get the lead and then they hold it. The lions are ending a five week stretch where they either play at Ford field or MetLife Stadium. They've, this is, they've only played these five weeks. They only play in two venues. So interesting <laughs> won. schedule quirk. They've won except except for the one game against the Bills. Obviously, yeah. everybody knows the streak they've been on. Well, they won it. They won in MetLife last time yeah. they were there. Yeah. So beating the Giants, thirty-one. So yeah. they're that 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 was a nice weather game. You know, it was, it was kind of cool, but they knew that was coming. You know, it was a November twentieth game. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like on Sunday out there i thought it was moderate i mean i didn't look it up um i didn't i didn't think it was supposed to be bad though uh so looking it up you you ramble for a minute well look i'll take a minute and i'll think we have we got three reviews this week and i think one of them was just a re-up um but it doesn't matter that that helps like uh so we got uh, we got reviews from uh big bite from m one zero one five three seven three five and uh loyal lion and cali and i think it i think loyal lion and cali is a re-up right and i think uh maybe big bite is too if i i'm I'm getting them mixed up now but i look it doesn't matter when you when you re-up your review it just helps like it helps bring fresh perspective and when uh when people who are looking for lions podcasts and they see a uh they see a review that someone has taken the time to do twice then you know they they know that it's it's something that could they could potentially enjoy so that's awesome we we super appreciate it i know spotify's getting more too because they're up to 147 uh it was hanging out at five star uh, on spotify still which is tremendous uh itunes is 428 uh with those new reviews as well so like and that's what 4.9 i think we're at there so oh it's uh humbling yeah it's very cool those so yeah i i it's great we appreciate everybody taking the time want to make sure uh we we recognize the the extra work you guys put in for us the high in new york on sunday i know they play in new jersey but it's really close to new york city right high is 39 and sunny so it should be i don't know if there's winds like so but 
seems like uh, the, the Lions have gotten pretty good luck when it comes to weather in their outdoor games this year. So yeah. hopefully that continues. Yeah, because you got three more, right? You got right. three more outdoor. They head to Charlotte yeah. next on Christmas Eve and then host the Bears, and then they have to travel to Lambeau, and maybe it'll all be on the line at Lambeau Ooh. Field on January 8th. We'll see. Well, that would be fun. That would still be a lot long of fun. ways away. Right now they're still battling, and they're headed in the right direction. At least things are looking up. If I'm not mistaken – if things like kind of play out how they kind of how people kind of expect, if they win out and they win that game in in Lambo and they get oh, into the postseason, the because I they're, think they're, yeah. they'll get they'll in though, and then their most likely opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, oh. right? Yep. So you gotta like that. Yeah, but that's a long ways away, and hey, let's keep let's hope they keep it up. Oh yeah, I look. I know. Well, I don't want to get the cart in front of the horse. Yeah, here. let's not get too crazy here. They did this start is, one and six. This is what I, they're trying to pull off. It's, it's, it's pretty big. Yeah, like look, I'm not gonna lie. I'm more worried about the Jets this week than I was against the Vikings last week. And I just liked how they matched up against the Vikings. Uh, it's gonna take some creativity, it's gonna take some grit. In order to get this one done. Well, thank goodness that's what Dan Campbell's been trying to instill in them over the low of these last two years. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's what it'll work out for them this week. So that's it. That's all we got. So until next time, let's go Lions.